0: Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out, uh, out of the city of Nazareth in Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And because he was a house in the lineage of David, verse number five, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, verse six. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse number seven, one more time. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray today that you open up every ear, open every heart, open every mind, God, just to receive your word. Can we just, just in reverence of the moment, I really feel the Holy Spirit. Can we just put our hands out just just in front of us and just, just say these words with me. Just say, speak to me, God, we need you tonight. We, we need your presence. We need to hear your voice. But we need you. I feel you in this place tonight, God. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Change us and challenge us in Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said, Amen, amen, and amen. I love hearing little kid voices in the crowd tonight say amen, that's awesome. You know, I love, I love Christmas time. It's one of my absolute favorite times of the year in our house. As soon as Halloween is done, November 1st, we break out the Christmas gifts, now or the Christmas decorations. And I didn't used to always be this way. I kind of used to be the, the grump that would fight it, you know? My wife, she's crazy. Shannon, she loves Christmas. And so November 1st, it's like, get it down, you know, get up in the attic, get all the stuff down, let's put all that, you know, and I was kind of like, wait, can we just wait to like maybe after Thanksgiving? I don't know why I wanted to prolong it, but finally I just gave in. I was like, you know what, babe? Get in the Christmas spirit. Let's just do this. So November 1st, we pull everything down. We make a big night of it. We cut on Christmas music. We all dance around uh, until somebody gets mad at one another, of course. And then, you know, we're putting up all the Christmas decorations on the tree. We have a Christmas elf that comes every year and puts all of uh, the lights on the house. We make it a big deal. It's so much fun. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love the Christmas season. And one of the things that I personally, as, as a pastor a pastor, and even just as a Christian that I love about Christmas is that everybody, at least in America, but most people in the world are confronted with Christ and the message of Christ in this season of Christmas, right? You can't say the word Christmas without the word Christ being said, And so I love the fact that everybody in this season is, you know, they're probably going to pass like on a street corner of a church somewhere. They'll find a manger or a nativity scene. I love that people take commercials and spend millions of dollars to, to even highlight the nativity scene and the birth of Christ. Everybody in this season is confronted with the crib of Christ. And Jesus was the gift to us. It was God's gift to humanity. But how many of you know? I mean, this is not the way that I would have wrapped the gift. Everybody agree? Like, this is not the way that I would have thought that the gift of life would have come wrapped. Uh, this is just not the way that I thought that it would be. I even think back, you know, two years ago, uh, 2020, on actually December 24th of 2019, we found out that we were having our fourth baby. I got to be honest, that was the shocker of the century right there. We're getting ready. I mean, our, the next closest is seven years, and we're getting ready for church. And Shannon comes out with a pregnancy test, and she shows me this test, and I literally, I was like, you're kidding. I was like, this is not funny. <laughs> I was like, like, what kind of, like Christmas Eve, uh, I'm getting ready for church. I've got to be on stage. I can just, and she, I'm like, this is not funny. What kind of joke is this? And she's like, I'm I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And I I sat on the edge of my bed and then I kind of sank off uh, into the floor. And I was like, what is happening? Greatest blessing of our life. Okay, it took me a minute. It took me a minute to greatest blessing of our life. But I just remember all of 2020 when when the lockdown hit, uh, the expectation of having a baby was kind of what kept us going in 2020. You know, there was always something to do we we picked out the wallpaper and we had wallpaper hung in a room and we picked out a new chandelier and had the chandelier hung in a room we got the old crib that all the other babies had been in and we painted it and we put extra care into the room and got the chair picked out and and then shannon redoes furniture so we redid a dresser for her and we got the room just perfect but how many of you know that was not jesus's reality I mean, come on, if my baby deserves that, which she deserves that, if my baby deserves that, what should Jesus deserve? What should the king above all kings deserve? But he didn't come wrapped the way that we thought that he should come wrapped. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the Bible says... That they laid him in a manger. Now, some of you may have heard, you may have watched the History Channel and you may be arguing with me right now. Well, I heard that the manger wasn't made of wood. Okay, maybe it wasn't, all right? Some say a lot, a lot of scholars will say that mangers were made of stone, but they were also made, some made of wood. The stone ones just last longer than wood. Somebody say, Amen. All right. So it's my sermon. I'm gonna preach it the way I want to. Um, So this is my manger tonight, but this is the way that that Jesus came in. But I believe this, that God has a purpose for every word and for everything that he does in Scripture. When we open the Bible, there's not a mistake that is made here. And when you begin to look at every word, when you begin to look at every phrase, when you begin to tie and see how this book is tied together from cover to cover, it'll blow your mind. And I think even what the manger signifies is incredible. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to talk about the manger and I want to talk about the significance of the manger. So why did Jesus come wrapped in a manger? I believe this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The manger is a reminder of our need for his strength. The manger is a reminder of our need for his strength. Watch this. The word manger actually comes from a Latin word that is mandicare. I'm doing the best I can on that one. Mandicare. And it means this, to eat. So the word manger, its root word literally means to eat. But watch this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and I love the meaning of this. The word Bethlehem, when it's translated, means house of bread. So Jesus was born in a city called House of Bread, laid in a manger, which means to eat. And the Bible is pointing us all back to this to say, he is your strength. Don't believe me? Watch what Jesus said about himself. John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. When we come to Jesus, we, we find a satisfaction that we will find in nothing else and nowhere else. When Jesus was laid in the manger, a place that means to eat, in a city called the house of bread, God was saying to his people, hey, Jesus is your strength. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. He was making a statement, even in his arrival, that he would be our source of life. But notice what it says in John six thirty five. It says, he who comes to me. He who comes to me. It's not a one-time event. It's not like you show up at uh, church on Christmas and you're like, all right, I'm good for the year. <laughs> It's not like you just show up on Easter and you're like, all right, I'm good for the year. It's not even like you can just show up on a Sunday and be like, you know what, I'm good for the week. Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm the bread of life, and he who comes to me being a continual thing that we return to Jesus. I wake up in the morning, and I read this word. Why? Because he is the bread of life, and if I'll keep coming back to him, guess what? I'm going to find my strength for another day. And when I'm weak, and I come back to this, and he said, I'm the bread of life, guess what? The manger is a reminder of my need for his strength. When Jesus was teaching the disciples, he told them how to pray. What did he say? He said, give us this day how many times? Our weekly bread, our yearly bread, monthly bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, yes, I'm the bread of life, but I need you to come back to me daily because that's where you're gonna find your strength. That's where you're gonna find your satisfaction. So it's not a Christmas, Easter only event. It's not a once a month event. Did you know that the average church attender attends church one and a half times a month? I don't know where the halftime comes from, but one and a half time. I don't know if they just didn't like the preacher and they left. I don't know, you know, music wasn't good. So they said, I'm out of here. One and a half times a month. Listen, you're not going to make it on one and a half times a month. You're not just let's let's say it this way. Listen, if we only ate once a month, you're like, I I already heard you talk about 21 day fast. I'm not looking forward to that. Some of you said, there's no way I'm not eating for 21 days. I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm going to another church for 21 days, okay? Uh, I'm not leaving, Pastor Craig, but I'm going to the church up the road because I'm not not participating in that. Listen, we need daily food. We need it, and we know where to find it. At the dinner table, we know where to find it. We go to the pantry because we're hungry, right? We've got to come back to God because he's our strength. He's our source of life. When we want other things, we know where to go, but when it comes to strength, we try to act like we have no clue. I like this. I I said it this way before. If I want gas, where are we going? Gas station, right? If If I want water, where am I gonna go? Water fountain, maybe the gas station again to get a bottle of water, right? If I want groceries, where am I going? I'm going to the grocery store, right? If I want all the basic necessities, I know where to find them. Guess what? If you need strength, I know where to find it. If I want peace, I know where to go. If I need joy, I know where to go. If I want victory, I know where to go. If I need fulfillment, I know where to go. And his name is Jesus. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, but he answered, When he was tempted in the desert, listen to what he said. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I'm telling you, some of you are going to find it out in January that, listen, I I can get the strength that I need from God and not from the dinner table. I can find everything I need in his word. When I push back, when I decide I'm going to fast, I can find everything that I need in God. That's exactly what Jesus was saying when he arrived in the manger. Why the manger? Number two, write this down. The manger is a reminder of our need for his restoration. The manger is a reminder of our need for his restoration. I mean, you can imagine, right? You can probably imagine how dirty a manger is. How many of you have been to a petting zoo, right? Kids, how many of y'all in here, y'all been to a petting zoo, right? You go to a petting zoo and... Uh, Carson, he's probably gonna hate me for saying this. Carson doesn't even want to feed the animals. He gives away his feed because he doesn't want the cows and the goats and stuff like slobbering on his hand. He's just like, here you go, Dad. You can you can feed it. I'm not I'm not interested. I mean, so you know you got the slobber, you got everything. I mean, they're they're just getting down in it. They're they're eating it. I mean, this thing is probably pretty nasty, right? You could you could probably imagine that this thing is gross. And, and also, I mean, this thing is a it's a little rough. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little dirty. It's a little dingy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of myself when Jesus found me. A little dirty, a little nasty, a little, little rough around the edges. I needed some restoring in my life. And what I love about this is that the manger is no longer remembered as a feeding trough. How many of y'all brought this up here tonight and I'd be like, What is this? Y'all be like, Oh, that's a feeding trough. No. You'd be like, that's a manger. That's the birthplace of Jesus. What happened is that when Jesus was placed in the manger, it was no longer remembered as a feeding trough, but it was known as the birthplace of our Savior. And I just wonder who you used to be and what you used to be, because I know what I used to be. And and here's the thing. None of y'all look at me and know me as the Craig that I used to be. Thank God. You don't know me as the Craig that I used to be. Why? Because Jesus came up and came and took residence in my heart. And when he took residence in my heart, you don't remember me for the old me, but you remember me for the new me. You remember me for the me that is restored, that his power has filled my heart and my life. And Second Corinthians says it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You won't remember this as a feeding trough any longer. You'll remember it as the birthplace of our Savior. You won't remember me for the things that I did in my past. In fact, some of you will never know the things that I did in my past. But what you know me now is somebody that's been restored by the power of Jesus Christ, whose life has been turned around, that addictions have been broken, that bondages in my life have been broken, and that I can stand up here with God's restoration power, and I can preach his gospel not because of anything I've done, but because of everything he did. And I could tell you this tonight. I don't know what you are, maybe even who you came in here as, but I know that you're going to leave different. If you'll accept Jesus into your heart, and you won't be remembered for who you are now, but you'll be remembered for who Jesus is turning you into. It was just a, an ordinary barnyard utensil. It was just an ordinary feeding trough until the Savior of the world was laid in it. You know, and maybe even somebody came in here, and you feel like I have no purpose. I have, you know, I God, I don't. What am I doing? Can I tell you that if you'll put Jesus in your heart, He'll give you purpose. He'll change your life. He'll turn you into a new creation. And third, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this. Why the manger? Because the manger reminds us that he is our righteousness. The manger reminds us that, that he is our righteousness. Luke 2, 7 says this, that, that they took Jesus, and I love this. It says that they took Jesus and they, and they wrapped him And swaddling cloth. And the interesting thing about this is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is the place where all the sacrificial lambs would be raised that would then be sacrificed to atone for people's sins. Are you following me? So here in Bethlehem, these lambs would be born that were these spotless lambs that would then be raised until they were a year old that would be taken to the temple and they would sacrifice these lambs and they would atone for the sins of the people or for that family. But what they would do is that they would take these lambs and they would wrap them in swaddling cloth because they had to be perfect. They had to be spotless. They had to be without blemish. So they would take it and they would wrap these lambs in it to keep them safe, to protect them so they wouldn't have spot or blemish. And so it's believed by most scholars and theologians that when the angels appeared to the shepherds, that the angel appeared to shepherds that would raise sacrificial lambs, And he arrives to them. And what does the angel say? You'll find him laying and wrapped in swaddling cloth. Signifying that Jesus in that moment, God was declaring in that moment at his birth, behold the lamb that will take away the sin of the world. And he's born in this city that means house of bread because he's going to give the world strength and he's going to give us strength. And the word is declared to shepherds that would raise sacrificial lambs that would then go worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because he made him sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of because I can't earn it. It's not by works. It's not by anything that I can do. But it's by the righteousness and the sacrifice of God. Isaiah 64, 6. We read this last week. But all we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags. He came to take our tattered, dirty rags, and, and he came to us with, clothe us with righteousness. Listen to what Revelations 3, 5 says. It says, he who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Why? Because Jesus came and he died. Because he was born, he was born to die, and because he died, we have the righteousness of God. Come on, I want you to stand on your feet. And I want you to think about this last thing with me. When Jesus came, he changed the whole meaning and the purpose of what this was. We don't, it's not a feeding trough anymore, it's the birthplace of the Savior. But I want you to think about this. Jesus was placed on on another wooden object. And he forever redefined that object. You know, Jesus came and he lived 33 years on this earth. But he was taken in his final days and he was put on a cross. And the cross is forever changed. Before Jesus, what was the cross? It was an object of torture. No one would ever wear a cross around their neck before Jesus. Why would you wear a torture of instrument Uh, uh, an instrument of torture around your neck. You wouldn't do it. But when Jesus was put on the cross, he redefined what the cross was all about. Before, the, the, the cross didn't have significant purpose, but after Jesus was put on it, the cross has great significance. Why? Because it's where we find salvation. It's where we find hope. It's where we find joy. It's where we find peace. Just like the manger's purpose changed, the purpose of the cross changed when Jesus was nailed to it. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful that Jesus is in the business of redeeming things and restoring things and giving things new purpose and, and new hope. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, You know, maybe you came in this place and and you need God's salvation. Maybe you came in this place and you need God's grace. You need His forgiveness. You need His righteousness. You, You realize, you know what? Nothing I do can ever earn God's love, but He loved me anyway. Despite my sin, He loved me anyway. That He would be born in a manger Knowing that he would die on a cross, that that cross would point us to the Father and give us life.